Welcome to the show. Paul George here in studio with the world-famous Adam Conk. What, what? How you doing today, man? I'm great, Paul. How Dude, are you? great show today. And so excited. More importantly, March Madness. That's more important than the show? Well, yeah, sort of. It's bigger than the show, actually. Yeah. Do you know what March Madness is? I do, although I got to say I'm not susceptible to it. Right. I have a gene that, I don't know, I'm not allergic. But you are you catching it? Okay, catching so March, March Madness? Madness, both men and women... NCAA basketball tournaments are the thing right now, mm-hmm. and it's called March Madness because it's in March, by the way. That makes sense. Yeah, so it's it's like the journey to the Final Four basketball championship, and someone wins. But, you know, people are crazy. Someone always wins. Online, on social media, you fill out brackets, and oh, you yeah. do this thing. People, you know, actually bet and get in pools. and You can do it for free. Um, it's a thing, man. So anyway, like the rounds have sort of happened, so people's brackets are getting broken up or blown up or people are surviving certain, you know. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm not the best at it. Um, But 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 some of it's a guessing game. Some of it's a science. Some of it's like, yeah, like this team upset this team. But um, I have this this cool thing that, I don't know. Have you seen this? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Yeah, I'm for real. This is hysterical to me. I don't Maybe I just find this funny, but um, some of our past presidents have filled out brackets. Hmm. Okay. Like Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> yeah, he's bracketing in his <laughs> casket right now, man. Uh, so anyway, uh, George Sr., Bush Sr., right? Um, the big one. The big one. Um, President 41 filled out a mm-hmm. bracket, and he picked his home team to win it all. Of course. Okay, which is Texas A&M, which probably doesn't have a chance to win it all. Like, they're not ranked super high. But anyway, that's besides the fact. Well, uh, he tweeted at um, Barack Obama, President 44, about his bracket. And so they're going back and forth on Twitter. Whoa. Now, yeah. is it really them or is it No, no, them? no. It's it's their handles. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's actually kind of cool. You're seeing past presidents just be normal. They're filling out brackets. This is what March Madness does. Like, everyone's on an even playing field. Everyone kind of gets into it. Mm. But one of the funny things, I just thought it was really funny, is that presidents call each other by number. <laughs> so Barack Obama says, hey, 41, nice bracket. From 44. <laughs> How cool is that? Just to be called, you know, like, there's a certain, like, sort of fraternity that they have. They just call yeah. each other by, you know, hey, 41, how's 43, 44 is fine. I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, there's it's not a huge group of people that have been president. So it's, it's a pretty good fraternity. Yeah, I mean, we've only had how many presidents, you know, 40... 40. Five presidents, right? Yeah. In our history of our country. Like, if you think about how short of a history that is, and a small group. Now, the majority of our presidents, obviously, are deceased. They've passed away. Vast majority. But the ones that are living, (laughs) to be able to do that. And uh, we had this thing in baseball, uh, like in sports, uh, baseball, we call each other by number. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like hey, what was your number when you were playing? You know, hey two nine. You know, hope you get a hit. You was know, that like you? you just. Well, I had different numbers. Okay, but uh, eleven in high school. Nice. Yeah, and two nine, and I don't know why that came to mind. Well, unfortunately, our the way our. I mean, I like how our church works, but the way our church works is that popes don't get the same luxury because you're usually the only living pope. But right now, I wonder. Yeah. You know. Like, hey, 262. <laughs> or just, hey, B16, <laughs> how are you doing? 
<laughs> this is Francis one. They're like space shuttles. Yeah. Maybe they text each other like that. You know. Can't sleep, eating ice cream, what you doing? <laughs> yeah. <Be> 16. <laughs> that would be cool, but you're right. Really, the majority of our popes are dead because they kind of go to the, the end. Vast. The vast. The whole vast. <laughs> All except two. But the long history there. Um, speaking of the church, um, you know, it's interesting that we, you know, we're kind of coming to the end of Lent, like we're yep. in this, this season. Days away. And, uh, Days away. Yeah. Next week will That's be. That's my more, my March Madness. Next week will be Holy Week. We're not in Holy Week yet, but, um, yeah, Lent's sort of, you know, this, this marathon of sorts. It's been for me personally, a, a long Lent. I think it's because of the things that I've tried to do during Lent mm-hmm. that I'm conscious of. That it just feels like it's it's long and drawn out. Although within the whole course of the year, it's very short. Yeah, but I, you know, I think that's when we're doing it right because I've had Lents that kind of fly by. Yeah, it's like oh, that was Lent, but I, like this this Lent is the same. I feel like it's taking forever, and so Laetare Sunday actually meant something to me. See the rose vestments. It was like all right, we are kind of getting close. Yep. Okay, great. Um, yeah, we do those rose vestments is just a sign of like hope, a sign of, you know, resurrection. It's coming, you know, the hope is mm-hmm. coming, you know, we're in the midst of this Lent. And for those people who are listening, who maybe have never gotten into Lent, give up some Lent, they don't know much about the liturgical calendar or year. Um, it's not only Catholics that do this. A no. lot of Protestant churches, yeah. uh, uh, Orthodox, you know, Anglican churches do Lent. Um, and if you're not into that, look into it because I think there's brilliance in the liturgical seasons, mm-hmm. right? Like the church knows that as humans, as people, we are definitely prone to uh, mediocre spirituality, coasting, yeah. you know, pressing cruise control, right? Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of going, and life's busy and hectic, and we forget. And the liturgical seasons come around to help us remember and re-engage in the life of faith. Yeah. Well, I'll make a little confession to you, Paul. Go for it. My two favorite liturgical seasons. Yeah. Advent and Lent. In that order. In that order. Advent and Lent. Yep. And I'll tell you why. Because there's not many more. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but, you, um, but you might say, well, that's kind of depressing because, like, shouldn't Christmas and Easter be... Right. And yeah, I love them. I do love them, right? But Advent, because the whole idea is to wait on Jesus who's coming again, which right. I love that idea. And it's sort of a mini Lent, in right? a sense. But Lent, because, of course, it started as the first RCIA program. It's like, we got these new Christians. Let's prepare them with fasting and teaching. And so our gospel readings are all the same readings they would use for the daily RCIA program in the beginning of the church. And right. so... If we're paying attention to the daily readings and we're getting into the spirit of going back to our beginning in our faith, like going back to our fundamental relationship with Jesus, then for me, it's so awesome. Like every year I become an RCI candidate again, and I'm looking at my faith and the truths of the faith and the fundamentals, and I'm focusing completely on that, um, plus the penances, which helped me do that, actually. Right. So anyway, I, I love I love the Lent season. And one of the things I do love about Lent, as you mentioned, is as you get to Easter, um, is the people who come into the church, people who are baptized or confirmed, mm-hmm. uh, and particularly the adults. It, it's fascinating. It It's amazing. And I'm, I'm sort of like you. Like I feel like when someone comes into the faith and makes a public commitment to that, 
um, it's almost a, it's a renewal of, of, yeah. of my faith as well. Like, yes, I, I, I'm in it with you, I believe with you, and your commitment is making me recommit, you know? And so, yeah, like if you're struggling in Lent right now, like that's normal. Oh, yeah. The, you know, like if you're like, man, I've had a bad Lent, I haven't done well, like it, it's okay. Like that's part of your Lent. Um, but you can also finish strong. Like you mm-hmm. can you can recommit to your faith. And that's what I love about our faith. That's what I love about um, being a Christian and being Catholic is that we're not defined by our past. Like we can start over every day. We can start over today. We can go to reconciliation. Uh, we can go to mass. We we can begin to pray today. And if we've messed up yesterday, we can start over today, right? Like that's the spiritual journey. And I think a lot of people give up because they feel like they've messed up and they can't start over or they're not good. At, the reality is every day we're all starting over. Well, let me let me tie this with a little bow. Do it. It's just like March Madness. It is. It's so like, I'm one of these people. It's like, Lent Madness. Like you, you probably... You're in it for the long haul for the bracket season, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to join in like the last two days. The final four. I'm going to finish strong. Right. That's but, true. But um, no, I mean, I mean, I'm making live it, but I think um, this is the way human relationships work. We don't, we don't build relationships, you know, being awesome for years and years, and then that's our relationship. We build our relationships one day at a time in our experience right now. So, for example, if, if I'm away from my children or my brothers or my parents – like it just takes one gesture of starting again to reconnect, and then boom, we have a great relationship. Now right. we might not be able to have the relationship I'd like, but we can have a healthy dynamic today with God. It's the same way, and I think we 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 think our past prohibits us yep. from connecting with God in the present, but there's nothing further from the truth. Right, and not only that, our our past, our brokenness actually helps us unite with God, because in Lent we learn about God's suffering. And Jesus suffered for our sins, for our brokenness, for our past. And the more that we're just authentic and open and surrender our lives with Jesus on the cross, we we find real life there. And I think a lot of times we want to clean up our past before we approach God. And what God says is just the opposite. I want mm-hmm. you to approach me or I approach you in all your brokenness and sin, right? So mm-hmm. so lit is, is sort of like, you know, I don't know, making good beer, like all, all the... <laughs> Uh, like as it ferments and and all the the suds and everything float to the top, right? That's lint. Like it's this it's this constant like purging of ourselves so that we we can grow closer to Christ uh, in our suffering, in our brokenness on the cross. And you know, life and the spiritual life is it's a marathon. It's a journey. It's not just hey, we get it one day and we're good for the rest of our life. I wish mm. it would be that way, but it's not. Life's difficult. It's hard. And the church knows that, and Lent's here for a reason, so that we can reunite, re- remember, um, reclaim our faith, do all those things to to get back on track. Boom. Well, bring on Holy Week. Bring it I'm on, ready. man. Here we are. So anyway, it's the Paul George Show. Uh, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org.
Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Glad to have our guest, recurring guest, good friend of mine, Chris Faddis, Phoenix, Arizona. Chris, how you doing today? Hey, man, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm doing doing really well. I already had my hair cut early in the morning here in Arizona time, and I just ready to get the day And I got to say, before you start interviewing me, yeah. I got to say I'm excited to find out that my good friend Paul George, who uh, should have had a book years ago, you, you got your book coming out. This is exciting. I do, man. Thanks for mentioning that, and I'm glad you're excited about it. Yeah. I'm all about rethinking happiness, so... Um, I can't wait. Yeah, somebody somebody from your publisher sent me like a electronic copy or whatever, but I'm waiting until I can actually have it in my hand to read it. So I'm excited for it. Oh, good, man. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I think you're going to like it. And you'll probably, since you know me well, you'll find some of the, the stories and things in there. You'll be like, yep, that totally probably happened, you know. So uh, <laughs> so anyway, thanks, that's man. Awesome. Uh and help get the word out so so other people can can enjoy it. But anyway, talking to Definitely. Chris Faddis, for those of you who were uh, new listeners, Chris is um, a CEO of uh, Solidarity HealthShare, uh, as well as Benny Plates, they do all sorts of things. Uh, and it's a great ministry, Chris. Um, you were just mentioning when we were talking off air, because I wanted to bring this up real quick before we get on uh, on our topic, a couple of questions I want to ask you is, you guys are actually, you know, you are a ministry, you're a nonprofit, uh, and people really feel called to work for your organization. So what's what's happened that's new there in Tempe? Yeah, you know, we what we've done when we started Solidarity, we actually have a third party that operations company that does our does all of our work. So they you know, they do our, our call center, they answer the customer service calls, they do all the bill processing, all that fun stuff. Um, it, which is good, and, and they're great people, and that's all been good, but it's always been our desire to have our own kind of team. And, and over this last uh, couple of years, we're, you know, Brad and I constantly get calls from people saying, hey, I would love to, I'll leave my industry to come work for what you guys are doing. I just believe in it. Yeah. And so the time, is, the time was right. You know, at the end of the year, we just looked at things, and there was a lot of kind of things aligning, and we said, you know what, this is the time. We're, we're, we're uh, over 3,000 households strong at the time. We're almost 4,000 households now. Uh, you know the, the 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 budget's there to do this. So, so we went out. We 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 picked up an office. We put out the job posting, basically asking people, uh, look, you know, people looking to join a revolutionary company that's trying to change healthcare. That's that's faith based and and all that. And man, we sat there doing interviews. We interviewed sixteen people on one day. We had we had a, you know, somebody do all this pre screening and and kind of give us the top candidates. Sixteen people on one day it was is exhausting. But but it was amazing because you the people who were supposed to be picked were just just kind of rose to the top of you know why they were there. We would ask them, "Are you comfortable working for a, a Catholic company that believes these things?" You know, and they'd say, "Are you kidding me? That's the whole reason I applied." You know, so wow. so we just started training them and and just listening to each of their personal stories about how they feel God led them to this point. Um, we had a uh, evangelist uh, speaker Hector Molina in this week, and he spoke to the team and. Um, and, you know, we, we, he and I talked after, he's like, man, I'm just so amazed at how the Lord has just aligned these people to be on this team. So so our new member care center um, really opens in about two weeks, so we're really excited, Paul. I mean, uh, with by the end of this year, we'll have 25 employees uh, in Solidarity HealthShare, uh, you know, serving our members. Um, and, and, you know, we'll be, we're, we're a Catholic employer now in the Valley of the Sun, and so we're we're able to kind of build this this Catholic culture in our company. So um, honestly, that's this is probably like 
one of the, it's like one of those dreams I've always had, you know? Yes, uh, absolutely. So for me, there's a little bit of personal uh, thing, but, but also for our members, um, it's always been a desire that for me that we really place such a premium on how we handle every single conversation with our members, how we care for them, especially because normally when they're calling us, they're going through some sort of health problem or whatever, and sometimes a major health crisis, and you've got to have the right people with the right mindset, um, you know, pastorally taking care of them while doing the work of, of you know, helping them through their health care, you know, processes. So, so we're excited about that. Obviously, having been through some of this myself, I know kind of the, the bureaucracy I dealt with, and we're, we're trying to rewrite that story for folks. Man, that is so cool. Talking to Chris Faddis, SolidarityHealthShare.org. Uh, you can check out things there. You know, what's so great um, is, well, a lot of things. But, you know, I know the backstory of how you guys started this company. And it's a nonprofit. It's a ministry. And here, here it is now, close to 4,000 members across the country who are getting um, this, this alternative health care that's really, really good. And it's providing for all these families. And you said close to 4,000 households. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And I'm sure, you know, you've been on the journey uh, for so long with this that, that you know, you don't want to just stop and just say, oh, we, we've arrived, you know, because there's more to go. But I think it, it's got to be cool to lay down and say, you know, at night and say, wow, we have close to 4,000 families that are being affected by this ministry. Yeah, you know, it's at that point, you know, 4,000 families, there's actually over 9,000 souls, you know, so it's at that point now where it, it really is a movement. I mean, it really has become its own movement. So so there's definitely a lot of a lot of um, gratitude and, and just kind of um, just gratefulness that, that we're in this place and that, that it's really, really has worked. And yeah, now there's there's still a lot more work to do. I mean, we, we're not we're not stopping um, the growth and we're certainly not stopping improving, you know, how we serve people and what we do for them. So yeah, it's a, it's a really neat um, thing, and you know, you having now completed a book, <laughs> understand this. I probably I don't know that I've had this kind of satisfaction except for, uh, and personally, just in my own journey, except for when I finished my book. You know, mm. there's something there's something so daunting about some of these tasks that we're set out to do. You know, and 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 you finish it, and you're like, whoa, I, I, that actually happened. Like it, it's real now. You know, um, and so uh, it's pretty uh, pretty exciting. But it's also, yeah, it, you know, you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I still have a lot to do. <laughs> you know, so, so we're working hard. It's, it's been good, though. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, man, we're, we're coming, like, to the, to the end of the marathon with Lent. And, you know, Adam and I were talking in the first segment just about being honest about where we are in Lent and the difficulty of the spiritual life. It's not always easy. How's your Lent going as it's coming to an end? Has it been easy? You got it all right? Like what? It, I, it, I'm, uh, I crashed and burned a couple times. Amen. Uh, Amen. But, you know, it, it, but here's the, you know, I told you when I was on with you last that I was going to do the, uh, total consecration, you know, the, the 30, the, the consecration, uh, through Mary, to Jesus through Mary, Louis de Montfort version. I, and I, we don't have to explain that again to people, but, right. but, uh, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of reading, a lot of prayer and all that. And, and I've, I, at least four different times I've missed a couple days and had to like go back. And what's interesting is, like, a friend of mine said, hey, man, Our, our Lady's merciful, so is our Lord. It, just keep going. You know, pick it up. We, you know, do three days in a row if you have to on one day, which, is, which has been good. But it's also almost been, like, my punishment, because instead of having one day worth of readings and prayers, I've had to do three days worth at a time, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, 
just trying not to like fall asleep or to like lose like, lose focus or you know and so in a lot of ways i feel like the lord's been like no this is kind of what you need like you need to focus but the readings have been so powerful and so um excuse my language but butt kicking in in how they've you know just our the saints are amazing man i mean it's just like we think we're like on this path to holiness and then we read some of the saints and we're like wow yeah i i definitely definitely didn't like never went there, you know? So, so it's been really good for me, but at the same time, yeah, I've crashed and burned. Um, the one thing that's been great is, is, uh, my fast. I ended up fasting instead of from, I think whatever I thought I was going to do was ice cream and soda, which is kind of easy for me because my wife's fasting from it. So it's not in the house. Uh, (laughs) I did bread and it's actually been a specific thing. Like people are like, Hey, let's go get burgers. I'm like, yeah, let's go get burgers. No big deal. Then I get to the place and I'm like, shoot, like that has bread on it. Like I can't, you know. So, so it's been like this little, uh, this little pinch in the side. It's almost been better than if I had just given up carbs, you know. Yeah. Um, it's and it's been this little like change, and so you know, I, I'm kind of learning for myself, like reminding myself, like to sacrifice. So one time I actually was getting food for the family. We made or I made soup, and I bought this amazing bread for them on purpose because I wanted to actually feel the weight of my, my choice here, you know? Mm. And, uh, it was actually like, wow, I've never done this like actual, like seeking out mortification, you yep. know, which is what the saints did. Right. So it's been good as much as I've crashed and burned. Yeah. So. Talking to Chris Faddis, solidarity, org. You know, it's true. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like to talk about fasting, you know, or suffering, you know, but the reality is that we suffer in life anyway. And when we learn how to suffer with Christ and, and in Lent, like, you're talking about bread, right? You're talking about small things that we give up, but when we learn how to build in that virtue of suffering and fasting, it really ultimately reminds us of God during our day when we're saying, oh, I can't have that or I can't do that. It's an invitation for us to grow closer to God. Right. Absolutely. That's what it's supposed to be as opposed to just an annoyance. And, you know, I thought, you know, my buddy Hector Molina the other day said to people, he said, you know, if you're at the end of Lent, and we're basically at the end of Lent here, like, you know, and you haven't even, maybe some people just like never even really got started or they failed right away and just kind of gave up, you know. And um, he said, even if you have one day left, you can still have, uh, you know, you can still allow let to affect you. You can still get in. So I think it's important for people if they've kind of crashed and burned or they've struggled is that they just pick back up, say, okay, Lord, like these last couple days of let, I am going to sacrifice X. You know, I'm going to give alms here, and I'm going to pray and fast in these ways. And, and do that, and, and allow the Lord, the Lord, you know, the Lord's merciful. I mean, you could, the sinner can repent the day before he dies, and he still can go to heaven, you know. And so um, I think we've got to remember that with Lent. We kind of beat ourselves up, but, which we should, because it's supposed to be penitential, but we also need to, like, pick back up and say, okay, Lord, I can do this with you here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think a lot of times we... You know, we're so caught up in our past or our failures, you know, and, you know, Lent reminds us, you know, when, when we just are inconsistent in our spiritual life or in our fasting or in our attitudes or virtues, you know, we want to just give up. We're like, fine, I'm just, I'm done. I'm just giving up. And the reality is, is we're not defined by our past or, or, or what happened, but by starting over, really, like that's the invitation. Like, where have you found just God's mercy in saying, you know what, like I have screwed up, I had, I, I do have regret, but I'm starting over. You know, like God gives me the grace and the forgiveness to to begin right. anew, to 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 begin again. 
Yeah, you know, I think there's just, you know, definitely with sin, right, just the recognition that it's really easy just to get down on yourself and just say, well, I, I'm just always going to screw up like that. I'm always going to do that. And, and, and just kind of like we almost become um, uh, defiant, you know, like, well, you know what, that's just me, you know. And, and really what the Lord's saying is like, no, like just what, what we should do. And I think what I've realized in my own life is I don't do this all the time, but that recognition of like, okay, no, that was not okay. And I, it's not me, and I'm going to turn this around. And so getting the confession, running to God's mercy, you know. Um, and honestly, what's been amazing is, you know, even times when it's like, I can't get to confession like then, right? But but just diving into prayer, whether it's a rosary or whatever, and just this, this sense of mercy of the Lord saying like, yeah, you got to fix this, but it's going to be okay, you know. Um, and I, I've really, I think I've, I've learned in my, in my old age, <laughs> uh, with my gray beard, that, you know, it's, it's less about feeling guilty so that you can just be down and, and down and out and become defiant. It's more about feeling guilty. So you turn to the Lord, and what I've learned is well, as soon as I do that, the Lord kind of takes that guilt and, and, and I, I, that mercy overcomes. And, and it's been amazing for me personally in, in that way. So, uh, and I think in the practical sense of like our sacrifices for Lent, it's the same thing. You know, like, you know, there's a great meme I just posted on Facebook that, you know, of like Luke Skywalker, and there's like this scene where he's like all pressed up against the, I don't know if it's the Death Star or whatever it is, right. and he's, you know, in lament, and it says, I ate bacon for breakfast, and I realized it's Friday, you know? <laughs> and, you know, we do that, like we wake up, and we, you know, we, we have a sausage with McMuffin or whatever. Well, I don't, because I don't have any plates, but, but, you know, we do something, like, and then we're like, oh no, it's over, I ruined it, you know, it's more like, <laughs> come on. I remember when you and I were in youth ministry, I remember a teen telling me that a nun told her, she was like, what do I do? The nun said, drink some milk and the Lord will forgive you. I thought, what, where did that come from? That, like, guarantee you that was not theological, you know? Um, but I love just pretend, it. you know what I mean, and, and start over. So, Yeah, you know, I'm reminded by this quote from uh, Pope John Paul II, uh, saint, uh, contemporary saint, man, just a, an idol uh, for us. He said, you know, we are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his son. And I'm constantly reminded of that in mm -hmm. my own life. Like I, I'm not, I'm not the sum. I'm not the total of, of, you know, my faults, my failures, my weaknesses, my sins, my past, but, but God defines me, you know, as, as his right. son, you know, and, and his love for me, hopefully through his grace is moving me forward in my life, even if it's just baby steps. And, I really want to encourage people who are listening to us as we're talking just to not give up, just even if it's small baby steps, you know, don't be defined by your mess ups and by the fact that you look in the mirror and say, you know, I just don't have it all together. Well, guess what? None of us have it all together. Amen. So, amen. And I think that's a, such a great gift that you turn, you know, I, when I was talking to my a friend of mine about this consecration and how I was messing up, he just said, that's when he said those words, our lady is, is loving and merciful. And so is our Lord. Like just keep picking back up. I just thought, man, like it, it honestly gave me this like peace. Cause I'm like, dude, Chris, like you should be able to do this. It's not that hard. Like get through four pages of reading a day. Like, you know, it's not that difficult and say some prayers, but, uh, you, you almost feel, you feel stupid. for not being able to do those things. Or like, again, we talk about sin and those failures. So yeah, that, that understanding that, that, God's love for us, and when, when the Pope said that, those words, like, um, what's amazing is you think about the sum of our weaknesses and failures, we think we're defined by 
who we are and how we act today, but the Lord sees us for how he created us, which ultimately was our perfected selves in heaven. Amen. That's how the Lord sees us. Amen. Not for the sin we create, we committed today. And so when we turn back to him, he says, no, I know, I love you. And I know you're, I know you're better than this because I see you with the way you don't see yourself, you know? And, um, that's such a great mercy. Amen. So, Dude, Chris Faddis, Solidarity Health Share. Uh, if you're listening, you want to check it out, go to their website. You can find out all the information. And like you said, your people or ministry people, they'll talk to you, you know, whoever calls and answer your questions. Um, but, but yeah, man, thanks, thanks for all you're doing and for always bringing encouragement uh, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Paul. And I'm really excited for your new book. God bless you, brother. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, let me know what you think about it. I will. I'll get the word out, too. Believe me. All right, bro. All right, we'll be talking. <laughs> Thanks so much. Have a good The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Great interview with Chris Faddis, huh? Fired up. Yeah. Get fired up. And Adam Conk, you... <laughs> You've been randomly sitting over there in the corner. What have you been thinking, man? You know, when Chris Faddis comes on the air, something happens to me. I really love that guy. You do? Like, how do you find friends like this, You Paul? need to meet him, actually. We should get him down here. I, uh, I think he needs to cook for me, first of all. Can we yes. arrange that? Yeah, because he owns this place called Benny Plates, which yeah. uh, is a restaurant. Sounds he delicious. cooks, and it's health food, particularly health food for people who have uh, serious illnesses. Really? Yeah cancer whatever different things but i didn't know that part people who aren't sick can eat it but it's supposed to be really healthy and help you recover yeah anyway it's intense so uh well, obviously, obviously he's lived he's lived a life like he's got some life experience and it shows and he's processed it and he's prayed about it and he's grown from it and he's, i'm just he's a great guy all right so i know you've been writing over there mm -hmm. uh the six pack of questions so why don't we do that Question. Question number one. Now, I don't know these questions. No, you don't. I, I don't know what you write. I can't even read your handwriting. I can't even. Let read. me let me see that. No, no, no. You can't. See let it. me just see your handwriting, Paul, from a distance. This yeah, is, I can't even read your handwriting. I can't even read your handwriting. All right. Question number one. Okay. So he's talking about people being called to work for solidarity and kind of cool experience like that. So my question for you is: Did you ever think you were called to do something? And then, whoops, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, I think God's asking me to do this. And then you start, and it's like, oh, that was not a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we, we have ideas or passions or things that we want to do. I think it's okay to head in that direction and then ask God, like, Lord, if you don't want me to go in this direction, close the door. But when the door closes, we're, like, really disappointed and we're mad or we're upset. We're like, why would you close that door? I thought I was supposed to do that. And God's like, well, you weren't supposed to do that. Can I, you give me a harmless example? Close the door for you. Um, 
Well, I mean, like in my own life? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been different job opportunities or different directions I was supposed to go or wanted to go. You know, like, say, coming out of college, because I played sports in college, I thought I would go more into the sports field for work, and I was heading in that direction, and and God just opened other doors and closed certain doors, and then, you know, all of a sudden I'm heading in this direction. It's not a bad direction, but it's sort of a surprise move. It was like a a Y in the road, you know, and I didn't know I was going to take the right, and, and and that's the way God led me. But it doesn't mean that those sparks on the road don't happen throughout your life. They do, and I think a lot of times in discernment, you know, I, we just simply need to surrender, ask God, God, what do you want? I'm going to head in this direction until you lead me, continue to lead me in that direction or lead me in another direction, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's some, you know, like, I'm going to say yes until, God, you say no, or I'm going to say no, God, until you say yes, <laughs> I, you know, like, but the, but the whole point is I surrender my plans to God and I just, but I have to move forward. I can't just sit back. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, especially young people, is like, I'm just going to do nothing in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to do something, move forward, get a job. If you don't know what you're supposed to do with your life, get a job doing something. Mm-hmm. And God will show you. God will lead you. Yeah. Discernment is an activity. Yeah, it's, it's a moving it's not, forward. Not doing. It's called active discernment. Ooh. Yeah. Question number two. So we mentioned being really moved by St. Louis de Montfort this Lent in a Total Consecration of Mary. What are your top two or three books written by saints that have actually meant something to you? Now, look, let me rephrase that, okay? All saint books are awesome because saints are awesome, right? But as far as ones that have actually moved you or challenged you in a way that's long-lasting, top two or three saint books. Saint books. Books written by people who are canonized saints. Okay, one of the, the heaviest books I've read, and I forget titles of books, just like I forget titles of songs. I, I'm horrible at it. As long as you don't forget your title. I forget titles Paul of George. movies. People ask me what my book's about, and I forget. I have to reread it. <laughs> so just FYI there, I'm just that's just not my... Yeah. I, and I have friends who can remember quotes of movies, names of people from like years ago. I don't know how they do it. That's just not mm-hmm. me. One of the heaviest and best books I've read is by Mother Teresa, uh, The Dark Night of the Soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it was, uh, it was come, on the dark. Come be night. my light. Yeah, yeah. Come be my light, which was on her, her really her her depths of her spiritual experience where she experienced the dark night of the soul. I should say. Whoa, that yeah. was really heavy. Rocked you, huh? And intense. Uh, there were points where I was like, man, this is way too much. Um, I was a huge fan of what well, now Saint John Paul II. So I read a lot of his, I read a lot of his books. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one on hope. I forget the name of it. Uh, Threshold of Hope. Thresh, thank you, Threshold welcome, of Hope. See, see I'm, in, I'm in the ball game. Uh, that was a great book. Um, <laughs> easy to read. Um, good. Um, a heavy book. Uh, well, he's not a saint yet. Benedict XVI. Um, you know, his his books on, on the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Anyway, I don't know if I'm boring you right no, now. No, no, no. This is but saints. Um, I've read a lot of saint quotes. I don't know about full books. Um, well, you just did it, man. You gave two or three. Yeah, you rocked it. All right, good books. All right, question. I mean, Saint Thomas Aquinas. I've read a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, some of it's huge. I've I've read. You know, like it's hard to get into all of it. You know, for for people to to start with the Summa. You know, it's huge. You kind of have to work yourself into it. Mm-hmm. Don't assume you can read it. Yes. Question number three. 
So he talked about giving up bread, which is awesome. One bread. Do you have a favorite pie. bread? Are you a bread? Because like when when I go to a restaurant and they say, you know, do you want rye, wheat? I can whatever. never eat bread for the rest of my life and be okay. <laughs> I'm that weird. You, you're not a big fan of bread. I mean, I'll eat it; it tastes good, but like I can never eat it and be fine. So you're not a bread guy. Where some people like bread, but do you have a favorite like rye, wheat, whole wheat? Like if I were to like my dream hamburger would be. A hamburger and instead of the bread would be two more patties. So, <laughs> so like, you mean a meatball? <laughs> Meatloaf? <laughs> so, you know, sourdough, nothing? But like, I do don't... like sourdough. Yes, I will eat a big burger like that, so, certainly. But I w- it's not one of those things where I'm like, if I go without it, like, I crave it. Okay. So, you're not like, man, I can go for some sourdough bread. Like, if I go without, like, if I just had, like, vegetables and fish for a week i would literally start craving meat bad yeah yeah, yeah. don't anyway. agree with that all right question number four so we talked a bit about i thought that was very helpful about i'd rather drink bread oh beer yeah i'd rather drink liquid bread, bread. yeah um i thought it was very helpful we talked about sin you know not being guilty in a way that discourages me and whatever but guilty in a way that spurs me to to change, right? So my question for you is, how do you stay aware of your sin without focusing on it? Because like we're supposed to focus on Jesus, right? Yeah. But we're also supposed to be very aware of our shortcomings and our sins and all that. So how do we do that without becoming as, I don't know, just, I don't know how to put this. I guess scrupulous or Pope Francis calls them sour pusses. Mm-hmm. Like, like how, do, how do we stay happy and joyful but completely aware of our sin? Well, I think, you know, that's a great question. There's there's a lot of things. One, I think, is just the reality of embracing the reality that you're imperfect. Like, you'll never be a perfect person. You can strive for perfection. You can strive to be holy, strive to be a saint. But as soon as you feel like you're there, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be thorns in your sides, and you're going to realize that, hey, I'm still imperfect, you know. Uh, and that's what the saints were all about. Like, they were, they were about embracing and understanding that they were imperfect. You know, I think a disciple is someone who goes to confession regularly, maybe monthly, someone who's who's serious about facing their sin, but yet it's not so hyper-focused on it that they feel like they have to go every day. Um, you know, but, but you're committed to weeding that pattern of sin in your life. If it's a pattern of sin, it's repetitive, it's something that's always there, like I think maybe seeking some type of counseling or spiritual, you know, insight to say, you know, how can I weed this thing that's been really part of my life for way too long, you know? Um, and I think that's important to weed out some of the repetitive stuff that's, that's always there that I'm just like, no, I just don't want to deal with it. So I think if it's repetitive, you got to say, yeah, I want to deal with it. I want to weed it out. It may take longer than I think, Mm. but I'm committed to it. Right on. All right. Question number five. So we talked a good bit about sin today, which makes sense because it's Lent and all that. Um, but as, you, as you've worked with people, especially young people, how do people think about sin today? I hear often, you know, it's like sin doesn't exist anymore or people don't want to talk about sin. Is that true in your experience? Like, In are, some ways. Are people disconnected from the very idea of sin? Yeah, I think it's relativism. You know, the reality is Scripture in Romans 3.23, it says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's That's the reality of our... Our human condition, we've, we're all sinful. And I think we can kind of just look around the room and say, yeah, we're all in this together. Let's, let's not judge and look at each other. No one's perfect. We're all sinful. But in a sense of, of a culture of relativism, I think, you know, there's a few things. Like people don't think there's hell exists. 
everybody's going to heaven because we all want to believe that, you know, there's no evil in the world, which if you don't believe there's Especially evil not in me, right? and there's no <laughs> hell, then you don't believe there's sin, mm-hmm. you know? So I think people are all pretty much familiar with their mess ups their screw ups and the fact that they're imperfect. But, you know, some people don't think it's a big deal. Hmm. All right. The finale, question number six. Sunday's Palm Sunday. Yes. So my question for you, what is a good Holy Week? How do we do this? What is a good Holy Week? How do we do this? Oh, man. I feel like there's times where I just fail at Holy Week. I want to go to everything, and then I end up going to one thing. Um, And so I, I would say the same thing with, like, Lent. Like, set your expectations in something that you feel like you can do. Uh, instead of fail, you know, like I'm going to go to everything on Holy Week and then you end up only going to one thing you feel like you failed. Well, what if that one thing was the thing that you were supposed to go to and really enter into? So, you know, the the sacred triduum, you know, like the the three days leading up to Easter, the Holy Thursday, the washing of the feet, you know, Good Friday service, Stations of the Cross, you know, Holy Saturday. Like what is it that you want to enter into and go to? Certainly if you can make it all and do it, go for it because I think it's beautiful but I think a good holy week is entering in not ignoring the fact that Jesus died the suffering so when I get to holy week here's my tendency I want to I want I want to embrace Easter I want to forget what Jesus did because it's just painful and it hurts and I don't want to think about it and I think the church is saying let's pause and think about the most important moment in in history where Jesus died and embraced our sin so that we could be saved. We can't ignore that. So I think Holy Week is, is not like beating ourselves up and being gloomy, but embracing the cross and being really, really cognitive of the power of it and just saying, this is Holy Week, Good Friday's coming, I'm really going to enter into it. You know, I'm going to slow down, I'm going to fast, I'm going to be conscious, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place myself and my sins on the cross with Jesus. What do you think about that? I think that's awesome. Let's do it. So do it. So anyway. Let's do it. Anyway, man, great show. Uh, thanks for everything. Uh, thanks to Chris Faddis, Solidarity HealthShare. Uh, you can get the show on the podcast, paulgeorge.la, on iTunes, SoundCloud, um, all of the above. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at paulgeorgeii, and uh, Adam Conk. Thank you so much. Uh, and the book's coming out, Rethink Happiness. It's very exciting. Yeah. Apparently you have this spectacular opening planned here in the area in the area i do i have a, a, a book signing and just kind of get together really of people so anybody can come out to katie and a re- religious are you going to be doing that at other places get is the that, book is that or you can people? pre-order it on amazon or mm-hmm. barnes and nobles you can get it pre-order it comes out in april so it will be long so anyway well it's such a cool event here are you uh are you open to doing that at other places like if they want to invite you to speak yeah i mean I'm, book I'm signing yeah any way that you know I, any way I could help bring hope to people, I'll do it. You know, I don't want this to be about me, but about mm-hmm. helping people. So I yeah. want to help people. Right on. Well, so, you, help, you helped me today, Paul. Oh, you're awesome. All right. It's Paul George. We'll be back next week. God bless.